Forget your former managers, ignore the ex-pros. As football fans, we all know the real experts drink in pubs. It's funny, it's argumentative, and often it's just plain wrong. Welcome to the Foss Arms Public House and welcome to the Leicester City Pubcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Foss Arms Public House in the heart of virtual Leicester. Uh, featuring myself, Tim, and my two good friends, Norm. Good evening. And Killer. Good evening and Happy New Year, everyone. Indeed. And I was going to start the new year with a, an apology and thank you to those of you that stayed with us last week. We had some major audio glitches and gremlins going on in the system, which made me uh, made it sound like I was over-talking Killer throughout the entire broadcast, which I would normally love to do, but just not when we're broadcasting. So I do apologise for that. And uh, if you stayed with it last week, thanks ever so much. We believe we've ironed those out. But we have an absolute whiffler of a week uh, coming up this week with a, a little uh, review of the Newcastle game and then into our crystal ball for 2021 and then a couple of other features for you as well. And we'll kick off straight away, Killer, with another win on the road for the famous Foxes, this time at Newcastle. Yeah, fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, the, the omens were always good going into the game, weren't they? Uh, St James's Park has become a fertile hunting ground for the Foxes in previous years. And as we know, this full-strength Leicester City team is pretty much unbeatable away from home. Abject first half, who cares? We followed it with two superb goals in the second half. I thought Vardy's... Vardy's build-up play was sensational for a great Madison strike. Not going to tire of seeing that one for a while. And I've got to say, I thought my man of the match, Mark Albrighton, what a ball for Tielemann and what a strike. So two great goals for Leicester. Um, little bit nervy at the end, wasn't it? I didn't, which was a bit annoying, really, because the game I thought was very comfortable, but. Who pops up, not for the first time against Leicester, by the way, Andy Carroll. And uh, I've got to say, it's, been, it's made me laugh all day. This Andy Carroll's first Newcastle goal in 10 years. Yeah. He's been there for 18 months on his, <laughs> <laughs> his second runners. I reckon, I reckon that's a worse strike rate than Casper Spiker, isn't it? You know, well, pretty, 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 pretty dreadful. A little bit nervy at the end. I won't, you know, I've got to say maybe that's just me. I just, I'm just nervy at the end of a game of football. But look, another away win. Absolutely brilliant for that reason. Third in the league, we're now sort of turning round Beaches Brook, aren't we? Now, you know, they're sort of like we're we're over the or, or moving towards the halfway point. Leicester are in good shape. We look really, really good away from home, and I'm a very pleased fox. Good stuff. I was bored to tears in that first half. I got myself into a mindset that we are going to beat these. Uh, bottom half teams away from home. I'm pr I'm always reasonably confident we're going to do that. And uh, just watching the first half of that, I know I know we're going to win this. But Norm, he thankfully once again proved that it, that he does have a plan B. Something changed in the second half. Two great goals. Uh, I'm not sure if you're able to identify quite what that was. Um, I, I think it's just a, a bit of a, a bit of a half-time chat, a bit of a kick up the backside, and saying you just need to make a little bit more. Effort. I mean, we look we look comfortable throughout throughout the game, didn't we? Um, Vardy was on song. You're you're right. I, I'm I'm a 
bag of nerves watching Leicester half the time. But I honestly felt that we were going to win that game from from the outset. It was only towards the end that we, you know, when Carroll did pull one back, that you suddenly start to think, Whoa. but yeah, I, I I thought it was just a like a, a professional performance and. Yeah, the, the ball from Albrighton um, for Tielemans particularly was superb. And I absolutely agree with you, Killer, which does pay me to say a little. Albrighton did have <laughs> another really good game. And I think the team he played yesterday is his, his first choice team currently, given that there are a couple of players still out yeah, with a... Uh, with injuries. And I, I think Albrighton's fought his way into the into the first 11. And, and to be fair, now he's had a bit of a run in the team, right, rightly so. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I was going to make the same point that he, he looks killer, doesn't it? Look, he's starting to settle on that team when he can and, and when he needs to. And I must admit, calling the potential demise of one of my favourite players, Mark Albrighton, a few weeks ago seems to have done just the trick and proved that I know even less than you two about football once again, which is hugely depressing on my part. Well, he's probably um, listening but... to the podcast. <laughs> yes. You proved him wrong. I've got to be honest though, Tim, at the time, that I don't think you were the only Leicester City fan who had reservations about whether or not Mark Albrighton's legs looked like they were going. I mean, and there can be a myriad reasons for that, really. I think what we have to understand about Mark Albrighton, he's 31 not 41. And actually, he hasn't played loads of games during the course of the of the last two or three years. We know as Leicester fans, of course, one of the reasons we love him is I don't think you'd put him up there with Schmeichel and Wes Morgan and Jamie Vardy in terms of attitude. This is a guy that leaves everything yeah. on the pitch. The one other thing I've got to say about Leicester is as good as Mendy has been this season, wow, Wilfred indeedy. You know, mm. and I watched Chelsea yesterday in a totally misfiring N'Golo Kante. I mean, he just looks like yeah. he wants to get on a plane and disappear somewhere. We we have, without question, the best holding midfielder in the country. Yeah, he. Ooh, that's a big. That's a big well, shout. It's a big shout. It is a big shout. But trust me, on form, I reckon if you turn around to Frank Lampard right now and said straight swap, indeedy for Kante, I think he'd take it. Yeah, I, I, I reckon if you turned around to Frank Lampard right now and said straight swap, your first 11, <laughs> first 11 I'm gonna our that. second 11, your first <laughs> 11. <laughs> yeah, I mean, indeed, he is something else, isn't he? He really is. Yeah, he's been, he, he has made a difference. It, it looked, it looked uh, as well as Mendy was playing, that, that it, you know, they're starting to look a bit in, interchangeable. But you made the point, Killer, actually, about his height. Yeah. And uh, that is a good point. And but he, he he's just got that extra little bit, hasn't he? That Mendy doesn't have. Hope uh, I hope it doesn't disenfranchise Mendy because I think we still need a motivated Mendy with the the injuries. We've got so many games coming up, and the thing is, what we know about Ndidi, best will in the world. We, we 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 know that he is prone to injury. So, but the great thing that we've got now that we didn't have six months ago is we we didn't have a replacement that you guys, me, everybody else would have been, felt confident about. If Wilfred Ndidi can't play through suspension or injury, nobody would bat an eyelid at how good Mendy will be in terms of coming in, slotting in for him. Not quite as good, but definitely on the same page. Yeah, and to the point that there, uh, bit, bit, a little bit of transfer chatter, probably about loan, but about Chowdhury possibly going out on loan, which I, I wouldn't have supported. And, you know, knowing that Mendy's there and indeed he's back, I'd, I'd feel happier about now if he, if he did go. So, 
Uh, we'll see. It's January. It's crystal ball looking time for the three of us. So uh, we're going to have a, a little think about three areas that we, we think might happen in 2021. And the first of those I'm going to ask you guys about, starting with Norm, is realistic predictions for our fantastic football club for the Premiership finish, Premier League finish, excuse me, our Europa League finish and our FA Cup finish. Norm, what sort of a season are we going to have? We are going to have a very, very, very good season. <laughs> I didn't know I know he was going to say that. I, 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 it's got to be more specific than that, for goodness sake. I'm looking for numbers. I am going to give you the numbers. We are going to finish in third position in the Premier League. Oh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to qualify for Champions League football. That is, I'm certain of that. Um, the, five, five to two, Norm, with the bookies this morning. Well, Champions League finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ridiculous that other teams are hot favourites for that when they're quite simply not as good as us. But hey, that's uh, that's that's one of those things. We're going to be a little disappointed in the cups because. We are going to have a fantastic run, and I think we're going to get knocked out in the semi-final of both of them, um, which will just be very, very close to the, the, the trip to Wembley and um, obviously the Europa as well. But I think we'll just just fall at the end. But finishing third in the league will uh, will temper that. Knowing we'll have Champions League football for next season. Okay, I'm going to go back to front then. I'm agreeing with you on the Europa League. I think it's there's a little bit of hit and miss in there, and there could be a couple of tricky ones over two legs. But I definitely think, looking at the teams left in it, we can get to the semi-finals. Um, I'm going to be slightly more pessimistic on the league. I really don't want to be, but I don't. I don't think we've got good enough cover up front. I think we're just going to miss out, and I'm going to say fifth. And I hate myself to, for saying it, um, but. We're going to win the FA Cup and fulfil the dream of a lifetime, making it an absolute standout season. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go for a collapse in the league, second half of the season. I'm going to go for 12th. No, you're not going I'm, to say I'm going to go for spanked in both legs of the Europa League next round. <laughs> and I think that Stoke will put five pastors. At the week. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm going to join you. We're not Arsenal. I'm going to. Or were. I'm going to join you, Tim, on fifth for Leicester. And I still think that would be a fantastic effort and one that I would have taken before the beginning of the season. You are quite right. I think in terms of striking options, we will come up just a little bit short. Europa League, I think semi final. FA Cup, I've just got this premonition. We're going to get drawn to Manchester City in the quarter-final, and I think they'll, uh, they will obviously knock us out on penalties. As long as it's at the King Power, because we know we never lose away. Absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. And now I'm going to ask you for a realistic long-shot prediction about anything. So, it's got to be a long-shot. That's the main part of this one, Norm. Okay, before I uh, before I do that, you were you were a little unkind to Arsenal. Then I just want to apologise to my brother-in-law George, who's our latest subscriber and an Arsenal fan. Um, I promised him that I wasn't going to say anything bad about Arsenal, but um, you have Tim, and I have to kind of agree with you. But George, I'm sorry. Um, 
Anyway, long shots. Um, Sorry, George. <laughs> long long shot is a Europa League and FA Cup double for Leicester City. Beauty. Okay, well, I've gone away from... I'm going to revisit something I said in our first pilot episode. So our listeners won't have, won't have heard this, but we, we did a couple of pilot episodes before this. And, and I made a prediction at the start of the year that, that looked like a big long shot at the time, that looked slightly less long shot-ish now. But I'm going to revisit that. And that is Man United to win the Premier League. Yeah, I remember actually. And to be fair to you, when you said that, I spent the whole evening sniggering because not not two weeks beforehand, Spurs had scored half a dozen goals there and could have scored about 16. And I just remember thinking to myself, am I doing the podcast with the right with the right guy here? It's like doing it with my sister. And he hates football. <laughs> but actually it turned out to me, and, and, and as they creep up the league, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if he's forgotten that he said that. And <laughs> Alas, you the few that might you're one right. elephant that never forgets anything, aren't you? <laughs> well, they're one of those sides, aren't they? That everyone, you know, we all remember when we won the Premier League, everyone was saying, Oh, they can't do it, you know, blah blah blah. It's a little bit like that with Man the, the, the experts in inverted commas are still suggesting that they're not quite there, they're not good enough. And you, you I get what you're saying, Tim. There is that sort of undercurrent of. It's a strange season. It could pan out like that. I, mean, I hope not, but... Could do. Killer. I'm going to predict that by the end of the year, Gareth Bale will be playing in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are we having a Gareth Bale slot on the show now? It's dropped for three weeks on I the trot. I think Spurs will subsidise... For probably about four hundred and seventy thousand pounds a week of his wages, and I th- and I think he'll go to Chef Wednesday just to give him a bit. Of Unless game he time. goes to Stoke before the FA Cup yeah, deadline, yeah. could do, couldn't he? <laughs> so that's the long shot. So the last one then is a new year, a New Year's wish uh, for us. Okay, okay, I'll I'll, I'll start with I'll start this. Can we just say about this as well, guys, before we start, that the, the criteria for this is it can't be anything to do with Leicester, otherwise we would obviously have us all to win the Premier League, the treble, basically. So so on this wish, we're going for a, a, a wish outside of Leicester City Football Club. We are indeed. And I couldn't make up my mind between two. Um, I either went for, so I'm going to say two, no London club to make the top six, but I've got a plump for Forrest and Derby to be relegated to League One. Oh, yeah. Love that, no. Loving that. If we'd have been allowed to talk about Leicester, I would have asked for Diego Costa. Um, but as we're not, I'm, the, the only real thing I think a lot of us would want is fans back, please. I'll settle for start of the next season. Yeah, and probably isn't going to be before that. You know, the only thing I would say about Diego Costa is I've heard from somebody within footballing circles that he's an absolute buffoon like and a really really unlikable overbearing character in the dressing room and i look at the some of the little timid leicester players like little yuri telemans and you feel like you want to pull his little cheeks don't you and call him a good boy and i just don't know whether or not diego costa would fit in in our dressing room but anyway that aside 
I've I've decided I've decided to just get a little bit, just be a bit kind on my New Year's wish, guys. Rather than I know you two want mm. something. No, so it's not about Gareth Bale. No, no strangely, <laughs> or Deli Alley. He's another one that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. But I, actually, I, I'm going to be kind and generous. I'm not going to send anybody down. We were all born and bred in, bred in Leicester, and of course, when we were in the in our playgrounds at school, the temptation for anybody that decided to take a liking to football was to support Liverpool, Man United, maybe even Arsenal, but. We resisted that temptation and we supported our home club, even though we were absolute pants in those days. And to be perfectly honest, have been for most of our football supporting time. And as a consequence of that, I've always got a lot of time for people that support their provincial club. And there's one club in particular that is really, really going through some pain at the minute. And it could be us and it could have been us and it could have been anybody. And that club is a good club with great fans and a good manager, and that's Sheffield United. And I actually feel mm. really sorry for him because if you're a Blades fan, and they're good people, by the way, and I've been to a couple of Sheffield United games, good people, and they're passionate about their football club, it must be horrific watching what's going on, you know, not to have won a game, and mm. you know where you're heading. Here's my New Year's wish. Sheffield United, not to stay up because they're not going to, Sheffield United to do a Norwich, and that is stick with your manager, because you won't get any better. And hopefully, my wish is this time next year, you're top of the championship. Yeah, I think that's a good... I'd love them to stay I mean, up, ha- but it's uh, it's looking less and less likely, they are, isn't it? In general, they've been quite unlucky. If you look at the things like yeah. their goal difference, they're, they're losing games by the odd goal. I mean, it must be soul-destroying, just knowing that just small tweaks, small changes, and it would be a different story. But yeah, You I, can't I, see I, where the goals are mm. coming from, Norm, can you? No, you know when you no. watch them, them play, they look... They look sort of almost Premier League until that last third. I said before, I'm not. I thought the Ryan Brewster signing was a really poor one. I just think for that mm, yeah, for that did, sort yeah. of money, they could have gone and ram raided somebody half decent in the in the Championship. Um, you know, and even half a dozen goals, like you say, Norm, half a dozen goals might have given them an extra six points, and then all of a sudden they're back in it, aren't they? No. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a lovely New Year's wish, Killer. Well, well done. Nice one to nice one to finish on. I think we'll all, we'll all agree Thanks. with that one. Thanks, guys. So moving on, we've 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 been looking forward. Let's have a little look back before we come back to the present moment. And we've uh, we've also been having a little think about our our years as Leicester City supporters and who our most feared opponents were. And we gave ourselves the challenge of thinking about one who played against us outside the Premier League, and then won in the Premier League as well. And uh, my nomination for the player outside the Premier League, who was my most feared opponent, was Robert Earnshaw, who you might remember he paid for a number of clubs. Um, He scored seven goals against us, which I think I'm right in saying is as many uh, as anyone has scored against us. I think there's a number of players on that, but you just remember in our uh, younger days when he was great, he was just always a threat zipping about uh, between our not always mobile central defence. But the reason that he's right on there for me is when one of the very, very dark days, um, 2009, uh, when Forrest thumped us 5 1 and Earnshaw got a hat trick in that game. I really, really hated that moment. 
Uh, so Robert Earnshaw for me would be be uh, my most feared op- opponent from our non-Premier League years. And then in our Premier in the Premier League years, there's only one guy springs right to the front of the queue for me, and I can't even hate him, which makes it even worse. Which is Harry Kane. He always scores against us. Can't believe he didn't two or three weeks ago. Um, I, he just is a massive threat. I think we're the team he scored the most against as well in the Premier League. And on top of that, really annoyingly, he's a really, really nice bloke. I think it's great saying he, he actually sponsors Leighton yeah. Orient. Um, he's just a wholesome, good guy and an absolutely fantastic um, advert for football, which makes it all the worse every time he, he steps on there against us. Thankfully, he, he plays for England, so we can cheer him on then. But that that would be a couple for me, Killer, that... Uh, people that I lose sleep about on yeah, the Friday good, night. Yeah, good chat about games. Harry Kane. You know, Harry Kane is the top assists in the Premier League this season. I mean, that's an incredible, yeah. Top, is that right? Top right. assists but with 10, and I think he's two or three clear of probably Grealish, whoever it is, who's, who's second. I mean, that just goes to prove what he's added to his game. He's pretty much a complete player and, like you say, a threat and a nice guy to boot. Well, but I'm going to go back a few years. Um, both occasions we had wobbly, wobbly defences. I remember the first one is we'd been promoted with Mickey Adams. And do you remember he went out in the summer and he bought like a bit of a makeshift team? We had all sorts of people, didn't we? We had Stefan Freund and (laughs) Gillespie and Hignett and Steve Howie and and just this sort of assembly of journeyman footballers. Um, and I just remember thinking it was it was a Saturday afternoon. It was a three o'clock kickoff, which in itself is rare. And it was Man United when they had that sort of midfield of Giggs, Keane and Paul Scholes. And up front, I just looked down. I thought, this guy's going to absolutely murder us. Rude Van Nistelrooy. And you can't, you oh, kind yeah. of forget for two or three years, he was just about as good as anything in the world, wasn't he? And... Um, I think he touched the ball four or five times up to about 50 minutes and he scored a hat-trick. Horrible. And in fact, in fact, I left that game because sometimes, sometimes when you're getting really, I know people turn around and say you should always stay till 90. I don't, I don't believe that. Sometimes poor performances hurt your feelings. Don't they? I remember Roy Keane scored the fourth goal on about 50 minutes. And I thought, I just, just got to go. I feel sick and I need a pint. Anyway, Rude van Nistelrooy for the most feared opponent outside of the Prem in the old in the old uh, wasn't it's called the First Division. It wasn't called the Championship in those days. I remember. I remember we were we. I think had this was the Brian Little era. We had qualified for the playoffs, and Newcastle United had won the league, and we played them last game of the season, and they had a young man playing for him up front called Andy Cole. And, and mm. he was he was absolutely just tearing up, tearing up League One. And I remember that it was a Sunday kickoff. And on the Saturday, me and a couple of my mates, just for something to do, had headed over to Nottingham. And we'd gone and watched Sunderland play against Notts County. We're having a, uh, having a pint with a couple of Sunderland fans afterwards. I just remember this Mackham turned around to me and he's, you know, having found out I was a Leicester City fan. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, playing that, playing that Jordy's tomorrow. I said, yeah. He's a well, yeah, well, well guy, yeah. is he? And he goes, um, he goes, just keep your eye on Andy Cole. He's like, a, he's like an Exocet missile. And we were all looking at each other <laughs> and thinking, 
Yeah, he's. It, <laughs> I remember he was playing against Richard Smith and Colin Hill <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Fast forward, I don't know if you remember, guys. Half time, Newcastle six, Leicester nil. <laughs> Cole had helped himself to a hat trick. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> horrific, it was. The other, the other thing I remember about him, Killer, there was that um, that uh, Newcastle fan. I think he was in the Sun. It was the Sun or the Mirror. Pretty sure it was the Sun. And he he um, he had a massive picture of him because he'd got a full right down his thigh, <laughs> I remember his that. whole thigh covered <laughs> in a picture of, of Andy Cole, and it was a really really yeah. good likeness. The following day, he went to Man United. <laughs> I think that is superb, isn't it? Absolutely superb. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, on that Newcastle game, I, I also remember it very well. I was actually um, in Newcastle um, watching on on the on, on the TV at the time, not uh, not live, fortunately. But I was with a Newcastle fan and a few Leicester fans, and he, this Newcastle fan wasn't very sporting. Um, he wasn't a good football fan, you know, one of these that. When you when you six up at half time, you, you show a bit of decorum and you know a bit of be a bit nicer to your uh, you know the people that are, are with you. He, he wasn't, um, but after the game, we found out he'd had his car stolen. And I thought that serves you right, mate. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Anyway, uh, so so uh, my, my turn. I, I don't think mine are uh, like in, in your leagues. I'm a guys, but I'm going to start off with a. A bit of a journeyman himself, but in the eight games this gentleman played against Leicester, he scored seven goals and one assist. Um, he was a non-Premier League player, and that is Simon Cox. He he always, oh, yeah. always seemed to score against us. I don't honestly remember him like causing us any huge pain. He hasn't sent us down or anything like that. But whenever you saw his name, you just knew that he was... He was going to get on the score sheet, primarily for Reading, um, later for uh, Forest, unfortunately. But um, yes, yeah, so I, I, he's just one that um, really sprung to to mind for for me. Um, Premier League, I was going to go with Theo Walcott, um, but I wasn't really sure whether that might be laughed out of town, guys. But um, <laughs> so actually, what what I'm going to move. Is uh, I'm going to say any player that is having a bit of a bad spell at the time when it oh, comes oh, to them facing Leicester, you're turning into a whiffler. <laughs> I, 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 I certainly am, and I'm, I'm, I'm drinking a pint of it as well. It's, it's got a lovely aroma at the, at the Foss Arms. I must say, I, I recommend you try it, gents. You know, for, for, forget the Trump Wells IPA, the a pint of whifflers, marvellous. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for any player that is on a bit of a bad run. Like, for instance, you, you cast your mind back to Bournemouth away last year. Dominic Solankian scored for about a year. Bags of brace. You alluded to Andy Carroll earlier, um, having not scored for ten years for Newcastle. He hasn't scored in the Premier League until yesterday for two and a half years. April 2018. <laughs> and also, I think Christian Benteke was one of those kind of players as well. Popping up and just scoring when he's on a bad run. We are a gift to players and teams that are going through a bad patch. So I'm going to go for anyone that's not playing well when they come to players. 
just a, just a quickie, guys. Very just a quickie, good. Tim, here, because I just I just remembered something, but I'll, I'll ask you two as a question. On the Newcastle demolition of Leicester 7-1, Andy Cole scored a hat-trick. Which ex-Leicester City striker also scored a hat-trick that day? Can I answer that? Ooh. Actually, uh, you're, you're really good at this. Go on, Norm. You're going to get it right, aren't you? I, maybe not, but I'm going to suggest it was David Kelly. Yeah. Oh, Brilliant, good shout! No, I wouldn't have got that. Very good, but let's let's not remember. Yes, let's not. Like that, <laughs> oh, we beat we beat two one yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moving on to we actually got a break from the Premier League now, uh, but no break for us because we uh, we go forward to have a look at the Stoke game then. And um, Norm, what sort of a team might we put out for this game? Well, I. I... I think we've got the squad to deal with this kind of game now. So I'm expecting a a much changed side, probably a little bit like the Europa League. I don't think he'll make 11 changes, but it wouldn't surprise me if he reverts back to like the, the Palace kind of a, the Palace kind of team, you know, make seven or eight. I think we can probably afford to do that. Stoke, Stoke are pushing for the playoffs in the, in the championship. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, gone are the days where the championship beating a Premier League team is what they really aspire to. It wouldn't surprise me if Michael O'Neill makes some changes for Stoke. So it will probably be two second string sides. Um, I think it'll be a tough game, but I have to say I am absolutely desperate to beat them. I mean, we'll all remember how they sent us down into yeah. the into Division oh. One, and, yeah. and, and in a in a very unpleasant, undignified way, their fans laughing and just. Very, very, yeah. very bitter, bitter time for me. And I am desperate to beat them. But the the play season, they've beaten Villa and Wolves in the Carabao Cup. Spurs beat them in um, December. It's going to be tough, but they don't score too many. I think they'll have their mind on the playoffs. And I think I think we uh, we, we should have enough to, to, to see the game through in the... In the, in the cup within the 90 minutes, hopefully. So, Killer, Norm makes a good point about them changing their team as well. I mean, as you know, for the Europa League, I've, I've been desperate for us not to risk any first team, uh, inverted commas, players in that competition. I must admit, I'm not quite so sure about the FA Cup, A, because it means so much to us, um, and B, because I think Stoke away is a Bit of a banana skin for us. Um, where would you be on team um, changes? I would go wholesale. And the reason for that is, do you remember when we played Brentford last season? They made 10 changes. And this yep. was in front of fans. Mm. I think with the absence of fans, I think it takes the pressure off a lot of managers. I think I think O'Neill will go wholesale. If I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think he would lose any sleep at all if they were to go out of the FA Cup because there's so many more games in the Championship in such a condensed period. I, and, and, of course, they just don't have the strength in depth that we do in the Premier League. So, as far as I'm concerned, I would be very, very happy with eight or nine changes. Absolutely safe in the knowledge, but these are guys that will be good enough for a team like Stoke and I think certainly good enough to beat a team like Stoke who I believe will ring the changes. I think they will make at least six changes, and I think it should be a, a reasonably comfortable victory. And uh, Soyuncu, Norm, potentially starting that yeah, one? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he needs some game time, doesn't he? So that would be a, 
that would be a, a nice change to be able to make. And uh, look, Vardy aside, we've talked about this before. Our, our squad now really is pretty pretty decent. We can bring a lot of players in that need a bit of a run out. Need, need to be looking at um, the Premier League games, getting a bit of um, a few minutes under their belt. And Sunchi coming back would be um, me. And uh, but but it would be a, it would be a strong side. And I, I'm I'm in agreement with Keller. We'll we'll have too much. Pretty sure we'll have too much for Stoke. Well, on that note, then, let's come on to uh, at the final item of business, which is our predictor table with Trump Wales IPA. Uh, one point for the right result we get and three points for the uh, precise score. And actually, last week, the Newcastle was, uh, we got almost every score around the actual score. So, Norm, you went 2-0, Killer went 3-1, and I went 3-0. And, of course, it was uh, that late Andy Carroll goal. Uh, preventing a perfect three points for Norm. It meant we all got one each. So Killer uh, stuck on two points and me and Norm move on to five. We're still in touching distance, Killer, with a precise score. So, Norm, how are we going to get on against Stoke? Well, I've already alluded to, I think fairly comfortable. I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory. Okay, 2-0. I think... Young Harvey Barnes will come on in the last 25 minutes and absolutely tear them one. I'm going to go 3 1 Leicester. 3 1. And yeah, I mean, I think we're, it's just so hard, isn't it, without knowing the two? I think we'll win. I'm just going to say 1 0, though. I'm just going to go for a for a little 1 0. And if you have anything at all that you would like uh, to contribute to the show, uh, please do contact us on leicestercitypubcast at gmail.com just remains for me to do two things one is to say a big apology to george again for a slating arsenal but it's likely to continue and secondly uh to thank killer and uh norm and say a goodbye from all of us we are going into a, a lockdown as we know but we will be here for you talking absolute nonsense about your favorite foxes so see you next week Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed the Leicester City Pubcast, please subscribe and tell everyone about it. If you hated the Leicester City Pubcast, please keep it to yourselves. See you next week.